Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weeding now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. All right, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. everybody and welcome in to winter is blooming a game of thrones rewatch podcast by us the penny bloom podcast today we are covering season three episode four and now his watch is ended written by david benioff and db weiss directed by alex graves i am colton robertson i am joined by joseph george what's up homie oh what up what up always a pleasure to be here Oh, and it's always a pleasure to have you. And I want to just give give some love to Alex Graves real quick. Don't know yeah. much about him behind the camera. Can't say anything. I don't. I don't know what if there's anything fucked up about him. Because oh. <laughs> the based on that he was born here in Kansas City, Missouri, USA. No I way. Alex what? Graves. Yep. Actually. Okay. Wow. I had no idea. But Kansas City born for, and bred Game of Thrones director there. Boom. I mean, responsible for a banger of an episode as well. Dude. Um, so I'm glad I'm glad we got this under the Kansas City belt, I guess, if, if you will, because this one, whoa, was it stacked on every account? And man, were were we a little wrong on the pacing of the season? I guess we thought, yeah, you know, I, uh, I said I said last week that I thought the this season was going to unfold rather slowly because I thought, you know, the Misa episode, I must be misremembering that. Maybe, maybe the season is that she goes to another place and then she frees the, frees the mm. enslaved there, you know, but I thought, I thought that's what this season, I thought that this was the event that made that happen, but no, yeah. no. All right. Nope. I guess not. Um, cause, um, yeah, I looked I looked on that little interactive map thingy that shows where people are depending on what episode mm. it was. And right. um she made it all the way to Astapor and that's where they are now. That's the city name that they're in. Mm. And then I believe Misa yeah, comes um Marine at Yun it's in between Marine Yunkai. at Yunkai or Yunkai. Yeah. Yunkai. That's where, yeah. um, and she's traveling there. She yeah. gets there apparently on episode seven is when she arrives. Yunkai. That um, makes sense. Yeah. I forgot. I knew, I knew Astapor. I knew Marine. I forgot mm. there was a place between. Yeah. Yeah. Place uh, the map, the map is really helping get all mm-hmm. the, the everything together. Um, I love that. Is, love that. Yeah. Um, cause apparently she'll be traveling, uh, for a couple, couple. episodes or maybe we'll only check in with her once. And then she makes just like a little jut out from Astapor. Um, gotcha. I think that's whenever she sees maybe all of the, the people. Is that is like the people that are all like crucified and pointing in the like one way. Is that here or is that like arriving to Marine or Yunkai or like, or did that? Or, I think it's, I that think it's, happen? we saw people crucified, but 
feel like there's like a whole she didn't path. Do shit like, about it? Yeah. Like, I mean, like that's, a, that's a way longer path full of people. Like, I think there's something in, like, going into Yunkai that 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 mm. exists in. But okay. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I'm having trouble. I guess we have a lot brain. more with her this season. So a lot plenty, more than, plenty. than I this thought. This is so. going to be a I'm peak down. Daenerys Targaryen season because this was incredible. But we have a few locations today, and we're going to start hmm. in the Riverlands with Jamie Lannister, who's had his Hell sword yeah. hand cut off a lot. Eesh. And uh, the following at Heron Hall on horseback, and Locke is gaining... Extreme, extreme enjoyment from torturing someone who can't fight back. Um, he ties Jamie's severed hand onto a rope and hangs it around his neck, and it forces Jamie to not only, you know, look at his hand the entire time he's riding, but also smell the, the festering of a severed hand, which can't be good. Um, yeah, yeah definitely good. not good, but, uh, Jamie is very clearly physically not doing well and also very clearly mentally not doing well. Uh, half delirious, wounded, feverish, and he can barely stay up. And he ends up falling at the dismay of Brienne, who's like, love Brienne's compassion, man. That's truly a knight of the Seven Kingdoms right there, man. She's the shit. Uh, very, again, like, it's going to be all over the place this episode with me saying this, but very close to being my favorite character, very close I to being know. my favorite performance. That's the thing is that it, it, the every scene, I'm like, oh, this has to be it. Like, oh, we're checking in here. This is happening. Like, oh, this is so cute. This is my favorite. And then the next and there thing is, happens. There's an undoubtable scene. And up until that scene, I was like, dude, any of these could be my scene. And then I saw that and I was like, well, that's my scene. Never mind. I mean, come uh, on. But, but yeah, this, character and performance, it was all over the place. I was oh like, yeah. yo, line everyone. It, there's there's something in every scene that I could absolutely understand you going with that character or that performance or that line. You know, like it's it's fantastic front to back this episode. Mm. But uh yeah, Brienne here, uh looking out for Jamie, you know, t- telling everybody like he's about to fall off his fucking horse. Somebody do something. Not only is this a problem just because you might get hurt falling off a horse, but he's going to fall into a pit of mud and with an open wound as his hand, that can't be good. Um, And uh, one of Locke's men moves to give him water as he's basically dying of thirst, and then he pours it all out. Um, But not before. Yeah. Chug some some water, so he thinks. Yeah. Locke informs him that he's never seen a man drink horse piss so fast. You know, I'd like I'd like to say that like I'd be suspicious enough of these people to not accept just a drink and just immediately start chugging, but like if I'm Jamie, I'm drinking anything and that, you know, I'm you probably do start chugging immediately, you know, but yep. but man, it's I don't remember this, but I, I saw it come and I'm like, oh, that's not water. You know, I'm like, I don't know if I remembered it. And I was like slowly remembering it, but I'm like, oh, that's not water, man. And then he says it and I'm like, oh, damn. Wow. I was like, oh, dang, man. Jamie's just going through it right now. Um, the men who follow the house of fucking, uh, oh, Bolton, you're all insane. Yeah. You're fucking nuts. They, uh, that's just the psychotic house. Like, the that's fact just where that there are two storylines going on where there are men being tortured by people of House Bolton 
yeah. is insane. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all they're known for. That's it. Their how their their banner, their sigil, is a symbol of torture. So like, like God it damn, can't be good. Like yeah, that can't be palling around out there, man. By any I, means, not yet. Poor so. Jamie. Poor Jamie, man. He's going through it. He's been a piece of shit, but seeing him like this again, I almost went with Nikolaj Kolster-Waldau for performance because my God, he's yeah. fucking good at this. Like he looks like he's about to fucking die, and it's not because of makeup or anything. It's because of his goddamn demeanor. He is, he is clearly mm-hmm. exhausted, near death. Like if I'm on set, I'm like, somebody get this guy some fucking water. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like he's that good. Uh, but. Nevertheless, uh, Jamie soon realizes that he, uh, you know, when he tr- manages to steal a sword from someone, that he he cannot cannot mm. fight with his left. He's not not no. good with the left. He's not the same. You know, a little dehydrated too. So even if he was at a hundred percent, fighting a hand down as well. Here, yeah, it's it, this wasn't going to go well uh, for for Jamie here. Yeah, and uh, that doesn't go well. He succumbs to exhaustion, and Locke doesn't even bother to punish him this time, just warning him that if he tries that again, he's going to cut off his other hand. And later that night, Jamie and Brienne are restrained near a campfire, and Jamie refuses to eat, says, you know, I want to fucking die. I'm done. I'm dead. Live. Like, live for revenge. And Jamie's like, but my hand. It was my sword hand. Mm. I was that hand. And no. uh, she says, no, no. Oh, th- this may be my line. I have two contenders. Um, this one I did like um, a whole mm. lot coming from Brienne. And I guess it's kind of broken up and they kind of respond a little bit. But I think she says this is un- unbroken here when she goes, you have a taste, one taste of the real world where people have important things taken from them and you whine and cry and quit. You sound like a bloody woman, you know, and then <laughs> Jamie, he just hears it and he's like, well, Fine, I'll I fucking eat. Damn, I got to eat now. You know, he's yeah. like that. I don't know. That was they their relationship like it's. She said what she needed to say, like in the mm-hmm. moment to get him to not die, you know, probably didn't come Great. in the most comforting way, but no. it was what needed to be said in the time, you know, for Jamie. Um, and I don't know, there's, I, I've, I love their relationship so far this season, like this rewatch. Oh, it's it's incredible. been so awesome watch. Cause I mean, the transition, I guess, well, it's coming up, I guess. No, like, yeah. This, I was about to point that out too that was that was strong the the transition from mm. when brienne says why did you save me or why did you do that and it cuts mm. straight to cersei and it's like like i i, oh. I love that sort of it's hinting at something a little a little grander there but brienne you know says she overheard earlier about uh how she how he managed to get uh them to stop that you know the Isle of mm-hmm. the Sapphire Isle is not because it has a bunch of sapphire. It's because the water's so fucking blue. And she thanks him and is like, "But why'd you do it? You know, like what what's going on?" And Jamie has no answer. And uh, that's the end of that scene. And it was really that scene that almost made me go with Nikolaj Kulturwaldauer or, or uh, it was close. Yeah, it's, they this, were so fucking good. 
and that's the thing is that I think this episode may be like the just a a overall great episode of Thrones. Like I don't, I don't know what more you really want out of like a middle episode. Like this is episode four of ten of the season, you know, and you're getting mm-hmm. like huge things that are happening and like setups for things that are coming that you're like, oh my god, I can't wait for that. And it's fulfilling oh, so many storylines at the same like every foreshadowing. Like yeah, the 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 setups it's doing, the storylines that it's fulfilling, and it's like it's doing everything at once. It's doing so yeah. much at once. And like I don't know. I this episode was just like an all around thrones episode like they were firing on all cylinders everyone was performing their ass off it was Mm -hmm. visually just beautiful and just you were checking in in every corner through every storyline and you got to check in on like i I, like just very major things that were happening um and i don't know like especially in i guess king's landing is more of just plotting and setting things up you know and i guess not many big things happen it's more of just plotting but like that's where most of the foreshadowing that i caught in this episode happened Um, oh yeah Mm. and you know what was we've been talking about how this show these episodes that we've been on a string has been like well this is what thrones is this is you know everyone just Mm. talking figuring shit out we check in every once in a while we see what's going on sorry i've just started burning incense uh and this did that better than any episode so far in the show i think yeah. like yeah this this was for an ep- I, it does have a giant moment at the end which helps anchor it for sure um but goddamn even before that i was like this is one of the best episodes of this show yeah and getting to approach it week by week like we've been doing it gives me a whole new insight into just how good any single episode might be. And, uh, dude, this one was fucking strong. It's crazy watching any other television show right now. Like, it, it kind of sucks to watch, like, any other TV show. Because, like, <laughs> I mean, like, I'm watching The Mandalorian and I'm just like, wow. Like, I just know how good tv can be and like i'm not expecting every episode of the mandalorian to be a 10 million dollar game of thrones episode i'm not i'm not saying that but like it's just not right i'm watching this once a week so i'm just getting a golden episode still you know served up to me on a silver platter every week i know it's gonna be good every time and like um this episode felt like it i knew it was gonna be good but it just kept getting better the whole time. And I'm like, wow, I don't know. This, this episode was different than the first couple of mm. the season. Like the first three episodes. Yeah. We were like, yeah, these were, these are thrones. They're, they're firing full cylinders. They're doing everything they're, you know, they're supposed to be doing, but they somehow kicked it up into a higher gear, you know, like this episode. No, yeah, this was, this was a different level, man. And, uh, we we cut after after that scene with Jamie and Brienne over to the river uh, and continuing in the Riverlands with Arya and Gendry mm-hmm. hooded up on Samir leads his men into a cave Hollow Hill which serves as the secret hideout of the Brotherhood without banners and the Hound is brought with them in restraints and is confronted by their leader Sir Beric Dondarrion who we did see in season one sent off by Ned Stark to take down the mountain, take a hundred men, get the mountain, arrest him. And we're going to, 
we're going to kill him. We're going to execute him. That's that's the job here. Mm. Um, then played by a different guy. Wasn't this guy who played Beric Dondarrion at the time. But uh, they made the right choice as far as who they went with because this actor is fantastic as Beric. Uh, yeah. yeah. This guy fucks. Um, this guy does fuck. I have him as a a possible character for the episode. Um, I have two people, um, and he he's one of them. And man, I don't know. He, his introduction was just pretty badass. The whole Brotherhood Without Banners is just super cool, and I don't know how I didn't really notice them before this watch. Um, but I guess I don't know. I, I guess I'm a whole different person than I am, you know, than I was back when I was watching this show before. But his introduction, just we've heard about him so much throughout the show, just legendary. You know, people just know him as a legend. Um, and you know, you got the Hound coming in here, all afraid of fire. Um, and I like, you know, they they take the bag right off the hound's head and he's immediately like oh yo like this is already sucks like he's already seen flames um and you know like i guess because barrick he doesn't he like walk in a little later like a- after mm-hmm. the hound's brought in like it's not even right yeah. away isn't he like just kind of hiding like it's just kind of a reveal which is yeah. funny because it's like his second appearance in the show it's like he they yeah. like everyone like parts ways and barrick like enters the scene and it's it feels like a moment where you're supposed to be like yeah whoa barrick yeah. dondarian but at the time mm-hmm. you have like no idea who he is yeah. watching this no for the first clue time. it's yeah oh i guess wait so you don't even know the legends like he wasn't not even was it literally just at the very beginning like just with the ned stark thing and that's like all we got of him and like no one even spoke about because mm-hmm. i felt like did someone like maybe speak about him and say like that he came back to life you know he he took i don't, I don't know i felt that like hasn't he, happened yet or no no i know that it, i i thought like someone no but like, that, that explanation hasn't happened yet there's been talk of thoros because he he maybe that's it. Okay, he that's ran through the siege of Pike with his flaming sword, and that's what I'm remembering. Yeah, yeah so it wasn't Thor, even for him. Thoros. It wasn't even about oh. Beric. So it's like, oh, uh, wow. And <laughs> granted, I will say that if you are a book reader, which I think this show was kind of tailor made for mm. at the beginning, you know, I think there's this argument to be had about season eight and the pacing and in the spectacle of it that they kind of stopped trying to appeal to book readers and started trying to appeal to a grander audience. Um, which might be why some of the things play out in a way that's a little disappointing for people mm. who were loyal to the show throughout the whole time. Um, but maybe for book readers, this is a little bit of a, oh, is that Beric Dondarrion? You know, like, uh, maybe it is a little bit more of a moment, but you know, the hound very quickly recognizes him. And mm. Sir Beric was the one who was supposed to go kill the mountain. And he goes, yeah, Ned's dead. Robert's dead. My brother's alive, and he spits on the fucking ground. I was like, dude, I fucking love the hound. He's like, fuck my brother, dude. Uh, but uh, hey, I don't know. He he he's obviously done some bad things. The hound, you know, and Arya oh, calls clearly. him out for it. But like, he's like overall, I guess from like now on, pretty chill. Like, I don't think he does anything disgusting um, or anything kind of you or hate worthy. Um, he does, does he does a single thing for the rest of the time that I think could be considered morally questionable. And even so, he has a reason for it and he explains it to Arya and stuff. It's whenever they rob they 
take the money of those people who gave them like food and shelter for a night. Oh. And he's like, dude's going to die when winter comes anyway. Doesn't need dead, dead men don't yeah. need fucking coins, you yeah. know, like, uh, and then they return later in the show to that very hut. That's, Oh my dead. God. That's true. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I forgot about that. No, that yeah, like Hound's no. character arc over the course of the show, because then he shows remorse. Like he feels bad for what he did. Wow. Yeah. He, Mm, point dude's good man i love i love the hound uh but yeah uh they subsequently became trapped behind lannister lines uh barracks men and uh continued to harass their forces by forming the brotherhood and so like the brotherhood was created as a result of trying to take out the mountain which is very cool it would also explain why at harrenhal they were like Where's the fucking brotherhood? You know, like we've been looking for the fucking brotherhood because they've been pestering us for fucking mm-hmm. months now. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know how I didn't pick up on this on previous rewatches, but maybe I'm just I'm more into the revolution kick now, you know, and like because anytime I, I don't know, just you have like the people fighting against the big you know, name. It's it's always just the Brotherhood nice. is fucking um, dope. Yeah, but like, oh my god, I'm I'm fucking with the Brotherhood way more like this rewatch, um, because I, I feel like I might understand the reveal of Beric now and why he came out. It's because like, kind of, you didn't really know who the leader was there because everyone was just speaking as you know there was no. No one was speaking as if they were the leader. It was just everyone could have their turn if they wanted to say something. Even Arya, you know, came up and was like, yeah, no, you killed the butcher's boy. Like even, you know, a prisoner, you know, and Arya thought she was a prisoner, but now she's just speaking as if she's one of them. Um, but then you yeah, get, the nobody's re- telling her to be quiet. Nobody's yeah. telling her to pipe down. Yeah. Like they're like, you, you have a voice here, same as anybody. Yeah. Like and, brother, it's fucking I, cool, man. Yeah. I like him a lot. I think that's why the the reveal of Beric being like, all right, well, this is just obviously the guy who leads us. Like, we we don't really fuck with leadership, but, like, this dude is just kind of way cooler than us, and he can come back Mm. to life. And has he – do they know that he can come back to life already? Like, has he done that before? Is that what all of his marks and stuff are? Or is is it, like – does he come back to Okay. No, that's that's that's, that's yeah. I think that's like his sixth or seventh time yeah, coming you back can't, to life. Whenever you, the town nearly cuts him in half. Yeah, I mean, whenever you watch someone come back to life, like once, you're probably like, okay, yeah, that's that's insane. You just did that. I but will after, follow this man. After the second, third, fourth, fifth, I mean, you gotta just stick with that person. You know, I mean, that's just unreal. You think that you? Would. I mean, wow. Um, but yeah, I, like that's the. I don't know the build up for this whole thing. Like it, we don't even get the fight at all this this episode, but I I get all the the necessary like juices from it. You know. Oh, um, there was something game. about this episode in particular that just like really brought me back to the first time I was watching this show. Like there's so many things. Like the end of this, whenever he's like, uh, "Is is the girl the one who's the most brave among you?" And Barrack's like, "She might be." But it isn't it is me you will fight. Yeah. I was like, I remember being oh, like, man. oh, fuck yeah. You know, and just being like, oh, yeah, I can't wait I for that. See that. Like, that's one of those moments that makes me go, I'm going to watch the next episode right fucking now. You know, like, uh, mm-hmm. there's there's no, like, exactly. oh, I'm going to wait. Yeah, you know, I'm watching the next fucking episode. Uh, 
Dude, Barrack, super fucking cool. Super fucking cool character. The Brotherhood, super dope. Uh, but uh, yeah, over time, the Brotherhood started to become made up of Stark deserters, Baratheon deserters, and commoners who wanted to defend their homes. And uh, Don Darian says he's still following the mission that Ned Stark set him on to uh, to kill the Mountain and to bring him to justice and restore King Robert's peace. Uh and also the fucking hypocrites, uh, all being murderers. Like you're gonna call me a murderer? At least acknowledge what the fuck you are. They mentioned the battle at Mummers Ford, where a girl as young as seven was uh, sexually assaulted, and babies were cut in half in front of their parents. He's like, "I wasn't fucking there. That wasn't me, bruh." Uh, and Thoros brings up another sack of King's Landing. They saw butchered corpses of royal children, Rhaenys and Aegon Targaryen. And Sandra's like, again, not me. I didn't do that shit. If y'all want to keep coming at me with accusations, make a fucking accurate. And then Arya pipes up. Yo. You accused Micah. You killed Micah, the butcher's boy, slinging his corpse over your horse like a deer. Aye, he was a bleeder. I was like, yeah, that's a little fucked up. That's a little fucked up, Hound. I can't, I can't cap with you there. You don't deny being accused of murder. You know, Barrett, Barrett gets all, yeah. you know, like, you stand accused of murder and don't deny such accusation. I don't know. He's so theatrical. Like, I, I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. And the way he's like, I love well, Barrett. you stand accused of murder, but nobody here can <laughs> confirm or deny the charges. Oh, uh, that's what it Therein, was. Therein, in the eyes of the God himself, the Lord of Light. I sentence you to trial by combat. Boom. Nice. I mean... It is me you will fight. I mean, we got, you know, Arya's kill list. The Hound is on there, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of in a way, she was the one who forced him into this trial by combat. Mm-hmm. So possible death. I'll put it on the kill list. You know, this This is <laughs> almost an almost strike of the of the kill list because she does you know... The hound lives for a while. Oh, oh no, I like because we put Hot Pie's Bread Wolf, you know, in there for last right. episode. I figure, right. I figure well, maybe he kills. Yeah, attempted um, kills, if you will. No, also. no Hodors though. Um, no, for the other counter, that's okay well, we though. Got like, we got like one tiny scene with Bran, and that was it. Yeah. And I'm like, why are we very I, quick? Very quick there. I, like, I guess I like just Brand to remind you. Line. Yeah, he's there. You know, and just remember and see you later. That, that was kind of what him this episode but remember uh, but man i i think i don't know maybe it's it's coming up here um or maybe it was it was already said but it was when barrick was describing what the brotherhood was oh yeah um, that already yeah, and this was my other possible line for the episode um, yeah, the it was, goes, oh, you're fight- uh, he said he says something about how you're fighting ghosts he's like yeah. you're fighting he says, that's what we are, ghosts, waiting for you in the dark. You can't see us, but we see you. No matter whose cloak you wear, Lannister, Stark, Baratheon, you prey on the weak, the Brotherhood without banners will hunt you down. And I was like, you got me. I'm joining. Like, where do I sign up? Like, where where do I join? You know, uh, what cave is this? Where's this? Where are you guys at? Um, <laughs> where, and, where can I find this little cave of yours? I would like yeah. to be there. And I think... Hmm. See, I'm trying to spread the love as much as I can for my favorites this episode. Like, because, like, oh my god, like it was just so good. Um, 
and I, I really like, I want to give the line to Brienne just for that scene between her and Jamie, but like the line that Beric dropped here. I mean, it, that was more of a line, you know, here. Yeah, more, it was more of a bar. If you well, know. I guess Brienne, that line saved Jamie's life, you know, like, pretty much got him to eat got him to say you know what maybe i don't die maybe i do keep going i want to drop a little just absolute nuts tidbit about the audiobooks for game of thrones because that's how i've been catching Mm. up um a i like listening to audiobooks love audiobooks and every bit as much as i love reading strongly recommend it but the narrator for the game of thrones books is like aggressively mediocre very very just okay um and part of the reason is that like I don't mind if you don't do voices um but he also like attempts voices but also doesn't change his voice much so it's it's but the thing that pisses me off the most about this guy is how he pronounces some of the names mm. okay um he records audio book amidst the show the show had been running I feel like I think I might be wrong there but I think I think that's the case it's right there. The names are there. They've been said out loud. Mm-hmm. The way he says Brienne bothers the living shit out of me. Brian. Brian? I guess Brian. it's spelled B-R-I-E-N-N-E or something like that. So I you, guess- gotta be, you gotta be a little fucking dumb to think that says Brian. But Brian? I, that's not a name. Brienne is a name. Brian? I mean, it's how it's spelled, sure, but like... Even then, I'd argue it's not exactly how it's spelt. Um, if it was B-R-I-E-N, sure, I'll give it to you. B-R-I-E-N-N-E, that's Brienne, you know? Yeah, no, that's fair. No, that's just fair. And if I feel like if you're recording an audiobook, too, where you will be saying this name multiple times... Why would you go with Brian? That's not an easy name to say. Yeah. No, I, I don't. Wow. That's yeah, sorry, no way it's su- in there. No way it's supposed to be Brian, right? It's not. It's not because it's it's Brienne in this show. I've I've found that with multiple audiobooks that I've listened to where like uh because huh. there's this thing with uh the High Republic audiobooks where the narrator and like there is no confirmation or denial of this like there's no way to really know how you're supposed to pronounce Mm. this guy's name because there's not a show it's just the only place you would hear this guy's name said out loud is if an author said it or if uh if if it was in a show but there's not Mm -hmm. Uh, the main villain of the the original high republic run is for several uh for a few books referred to as martian row martian Spelled M-A-R-C-H-I-O-N. And I got really used to that. I was very okay with that. Marcion Rowe. Sure. And then in the third book, same narrator, same everything. He changes it to Marcion. And I'm like, why did you decide all of a sudden that you were going to say it a different way? I like both versions. And now I've gone, now I've gotten to a point where now I say Marcion, but I'm like, what, what happened there? What, what did Hmm. someone say? Actually, his name is Marcion. And if they did say that, why didn't they say it? two fucking books ago you know like uh <laughs> man i didn't know the world of, of audiobook yeah I, did, I didn't think about this like the narrator has a lot of hey, a lot of power there you know they got a lot of power yeah yeah that's a lot of power didn't think about oh. that until now wow <laughs> but brian yeah, so of tar brian, here, um yeah you know. 
Um, so I guess, yeah, do I go with yeah, the... Yeah, she had a good line. Do I go with the Brian line where she... Yeah, I can't even joke, jokingly say it. I hate no. jokingly saying it, too. Do I go with the line that saved Jamie's life or the line that put some fear into the hound's, you know, eyes for a little bit even? Um, I do think... I think there's 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 something powerful, more powerful about Brienne's line, but I think there's something more badass about Barracks. You know, like there's there's a balance there. It just kind of depends on what you're looking for. Um, if you're looking for what's the hardest bar, that's Barracks. If you're looking for what's the most meaningful to this story as a whole, it's Brienne's. I'm going Brienne um, because Barrack has a possibility of being the character for the episode ah. um, if it's not. Two other people, um, but we'll get there. I, I need. I still need to decide. Are those, have, are those your only two options for line? Um, yes. Um, That's wild. I have three well, options for line, and I guess neither I, of those are options. Yeah, I had, I I had multiple multiple options, but I narrowed it down just between mm-hmm. those two because those were like my favorite scenes and lines at the same time that couldn't quite get the scene nod. I see. Um. I so, but yeah. But no, there were so many lines in this episode. Um, but I think I will all put the nail in the coffin, though, and say I'll, I'll go with the Brienne line. For I, sure, dig I dig it. Um, yeah, I've got three options right now, and neither of those two ended up being one of the. So, like, that just shows how wildly good this episode was, as I had so many lines. We had five different lines in our final contention. None of them the same. Mm. Uh it's pretty it's pretty solid. But uh after that we head to King's Landing, wherein Tyrion Lannister is meeting with Varys, and uh he's in the middle of prying open a large wooden crate. Tyrion's like, Oh, is this a this a good time? And he's like, um, yeah, it's a perfect time, you know? Uh, oh yeah, good time, great yeah, time. I've got I've got stories to tell, man. I got you. Uh <laughs> but uh he Tyrion's come to ask Varys to help him confirm who sent Sir Mandon Moore to kill him during the Battle of Blackwater. He knows it was Cersei. He merely needs proof. Uh, but he hasn't, Varys doesn't have proof, only whispers. And he cannot confirm who gave the order. And Tyrion wants to know with certainty if it was his sister so he can take revenge. And, uh, Varys uses this opportunity to finish a conversation they were having on the eve of the battle. He goes, you know, once before all this, I, I was going to tell you how I was cut. Do you still want to know? Like, I don't know. Do I? Why? And- <laughs> like, oh yeah, it'll make, it'll make, this moment way more badass if yeah, I, like, I'm gonna, like this is gonna full circle out the motherfucking ass right now you're talking about revenge i got you oh yeah that's why he said like good time and he's like oh no great time because he's like Perfect if time. he could have just done this on his he, like that's that's what i wanted to ask is this the is this the first time that he's opening this box you know mm-hmm. or is is it just sort of he's checking in you know did this guy just this fresh, guy just he, got here so fresh off the ship fresh off the boat wow yeah and it so yeah that's that's nuts it was perfect timing like it makes it so much cooler if there's someone there to watch it happen unless yeah. you know if it's just him it on also, his own it gives an edge that you're like yeah. you didn't know he had yeah where you're and like then oh the source i mean the the sorcerer dude he's hearing him describe the whole story the whole time too and like because yeah. he probably doesn't know where, what he's being shipped to but now he knows who who yeah. like is out there and it's like oh dude so like that's the thing is that such a small scene and it's the very like Tyrion's only in it for you know he's only in this episode for this couple minutes that it is but like mm. every actor 
is playing their character so well by now that you just, even if they show up for a split second, you know all the background of their character and every, like, I don't know, it's it's just the show by now, like, it's figured by now. It out. Yeah, it's, it's so, so, it's so good. But, um, but yeah, Varys is in high contention for my favorite character of the episode. Like, uh, yeah, he's he's up there. That, he's my other one. Um, yeah, yeah. Like this man was incredible in this episode, and uh, his performance, Conleth Hill, I can confidently confirm is my favorite performance of the episode. Conleth Hill got actually. My, yes, let's yeah, go. Okay, uh, awesome. Because he was my sleeper performance. If I didn't go well, with with the well, two choices I, I had. I, Let's I have go. to think he had more screen time than anybody else in this episode. He, had, he was in so uh, many scenes here. Yeah, yeah. with Tyrion, with uh, uh, Roz, uh, with Olena. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like uh, he had a few. Okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he. I don't know. He did. So, I'm. Oh, I'm so glad he's getting a performance now because yeah, he, he did, did so, so good. good. Uh, okay, because awesome. not only this is the scene where he gets the most intense. You know, like where it's like. He's do he's digging deep. He's really getting into the emotion of it. But whenever he's acting opposite uh Diana Rigg, and he's he's is in that scene with uh Roz, that those are the examples of him just being enveloped in who that character is and being so fucking good at it. Like yeah, there's I can't no wait to question of his character. Like there's no question. Like you're in this. You're in the world. Like completely, it's nuts. Yeah. Like whenever you're remind, like something happens in the real world, and you look off screen for a second at, like, I don't know, you heard a noise, and you're like, oh fuck, yeah, I'm I'm yeah. in Kansas City, Missouri. Oh, I am, I am you know, just sitting in, like, in my whoa, bed. yeah, like Watch I'm not in Westeros, I'm not in fucking yeah. King's Landing <laughs> right now, and I don't know this person isn't real. It's just a fictitious yeah. character, like whole, yeah. But okay, that's all. I'm glad. Is yeah, that his first? Is that the first performance nod for him? I think yeah. it might be his first he's ever gotten, as far as uh, the sh the show is concerned. On our rewatch so far, um, I think he's been high contention, very heavily considered. I think he's gotten character nods, but I don't think Conleth Hill uh, has actually gotten a performance. Yep. I gave him character in episode five of season one, nice. um, and that's it. It looks like, um, yeah, total. I mean, that's the thing. There's just too many other characters in the show. Um, yeah, that's it. So, okay. Glad he's getting his flowers, though, this episode. Getting his flowers, man. He's been incredible throughout this entire show. It's a shame that it took halfway through season three for him to get a nod like this. But, again, that's just how good the fucking show is. Mm -hmm. uh, but Varys here says that he used to be a slave in a traveling uh, theater troupe that passed through all the free cities. But once when he was in Mir, he was sold to a sorcerer. And the sorcerer gave him a potion that paralyzed him, leaving him unable to move, but fully aware and able to experience pain. Uh, he then cut off his genitals, root and stem, dick and balls, and the sorcerer needed his genital genitals as a sacrifice for a spell. And he burned them in a brazier of fire. And what Varys has had recurrent nightmares about this day since is not the sorcerer, not the knife, not the cutting or the pain. But when the sorcerer prayed to the flames in a ceremony, a voice clearly answered back. And uh, whether it was a god or a demon or simply parlor tricks, Varys remembers that. Um, and He's a dreamer. He uses the word dream. I, I don't know. Like 
him being a secret Targaryen or something and shaving his head and you know like it just made my mind go wild this episode the flame turned blue you know song of ice and fire and then you know sort of king's blood for the ritual and I'm like okay I'm I'm going to you know or whatever um but like I don't know it, it adds such a cool like it, no matter if he's Targaryen I don't think that really matters but the cool part of this story is like when he is like I built everything myself you know like it like it was all me i was the one who who like said that i'm gonna live to to have revenge on the sorcerer yeah when he's like he threw me out he threw me out there to die but i lived to spite him yeah to get my revenge and again a common theme in this episode living to get revenge uh Mm. with brienne and jamie there and this and i mean aria trying to gain mm, it on the hound okay. you know like there, yeah, there's yeah. all sorts of stuff that that kind of goes up. daenerys kind of flaming that dude at the end lots of revenge him. there yeah yeah lots of revenge but, uh, yeah Varys did whatever it took to claw his way into a position of influence in the world first to survive he would beg steal or sell the sexual use of the parts of his body he still had increasingly he discovered that stealing men's secrets was far more profitable than anything physical which could be stolen. And in time, he worked his way from the slums of Mir to the small council in King's Landing. Super epic story. And in retrospect, I think I might have to give Varys both character and performance. That's, I wanted to spread the yeah. love, but goddamn was he good in this one. I had Beric, and Beric, like, his introduction is cool. Like, I guess it's not his true introduction, but I I feel like this is his, like, on-screen, you know, introduction. Um, it was badass, and I even almost gave him the line, and, you know, I was saving him to maybe put him as the character, but, like, I mean, Varys this was a just... Scene, man. Because he, he gave his backstory, and then you get to see him put his, like, mastery and stuff into work. Like, as well, you get it, you get it, like, the whole backstory with the sorcerer, and then, like, the stuff with the Martells and stuff, like, or Lady Martell, mm-hmm. like, he's, like, he's scheming, you know, like, it doesn't seem like he's scheming. Um, he seems that he's doing it at, to, like, I guess, I don't know, I'm, I'm jumping the gun here, but, like, very, like, I think I just, now that you gave it to him, I might want to save it, but, like, it might just be even better just to, he, I mean, he, might he deserve just deserves it, yeah, like, he just uh, deserves it. Um, if there's if there's any character, my second in command here was Daenerys, uh, yeah. but she yeah. undoubtedly has the scene. So it's kind of like eh, she's getting her love there, you know. Like there's that scene. That's the only scene she's in. That would be the reason she got the character in there. And I think giving her the scenes enough. Um, so I'm I'm a go Varys. I think he dominated, and I think he was I think he was too good. Uh, this whole this whole thing about like you know, and now you understand why I was so very down to help you oppose Stannis and the red priest red priestess that he rides with. Mm. And he's like, uh, yeah, check this shit out, man. Look at this. What's in this box. Uh, and Tyrion's like, Oh shit, the sorcerer. And he's like, yep. Check that shit out. Huh? Do we know what he does with him? Do we like, do we check back in to like, or is it like, I don't, I don't think remember. we ever get any, any sort of revisiting here. Um, I like to imagine that he cuts off his dick and balls. Oh, he one hundred percent cuts off his dick and balls. That's like the first thing he does. I'm imagining. I hope yeah. so. Um, but the part that like that interests me is like 
he doesn't tell Tyrion what was said, the words that he heard, you know, or whatever, because that's the part that's stuck in his head, the words that he heard. And I'm assuming it's not that it's just the fact that it was a voice speaking that was so shocking. I bet the words that were spoken were also something pretty heavy, you know, like, I don't know, it was some ritual. I'm assuming it's some prophecy or something. And I'm, it, I'm assuming that he heard the Lord of Light. Yeah. It's kind of it, what I, 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 but like I what was think. said, what was like this man, something was said here to light. Like he heard something and is like, I can't die. I, for one, have to kill the guy who did this to me, but I can't die. And I will make my way to the king, like the small council, you know, like you have to have like, he was set on a like mission to just keep growing and growing and growing. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like he just, I feel like something was said to him that, or I don't know. They heard something. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's more of headcanon, you know, of why Varys is just right. so badass and like right. why he's doing all this stuff. But like, damn, like, no, yeah, I already get, I already deleted, uh, Barrick out of there. Uh, sadly, you know, like I, I thought, sweep. but, but, yeah, no, it's it's because of just how good Varys was this episode. And we're not even done with all of his scenes. No, this thing. is so the like, first scene he's yeah, in. Uh, like, there's damn. three, and this is the first one. Uh, <laughs> but Varys thus urges Tyrion to be patient, and his revenge will come in time. Uh, he then closes the crate with the sorcerer still inside. And that's my other, like, headcanon for what he does with this guy. He just, like, pries the, the crate back shut and then just, like, slides some bits of food through the little hole so that he stays alive but just like lives in this little crate. Uh that'd be hell. Um yeah, that isn't doesn't this box Wait a minute. This box is used later. Doesn't Tyrion go in like doesn't oh, does, he shoot himself he out of this, this box? box? Yeah. Maybe I think, maybe. I think I do. Yeah, for some reason I remember what? the box we'll being used details later on. He does get oh. smuggled out of the box by Varys. So like uh Distinct possibility. That'd just, be uh, nuts if this is the same box. box. I don't know why I remember that, but maybe, huh? Maybe uh, I, I think I remember a, like specifically like Tyrion looked at the like uh the air holes in the side of the box or something mm -hmm. like that, and I think that's like what happens whenever he has to get smuggled out. He looks at it the right. same way and like looks at the air. I, I don't know. I feel like I remember that for some reason, but yeah. No, huh. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, I guess we never figure out what happens to the sorcerer dude, probably, but... Well, maybe um, we do, and I've just forgotten, but regardless. No, Next <laughs> up, Varys visits Roz, who has secretly been spying on Littlefinger for him, and uh, he's surprised to hear her report from the other prostitutes that there is a uh, there's a sex god in their midst. Uh, is he, the legend is he of Podrick grows. Yes, Dude, it hit. Whatever he's like, the key, the scene cuts to them, and he's like, "Is is he like large or something?" And she's like, "No bigger than any typical man." And uh, he's like, "So what did he do to them?" And she's she's like, "Well, they're usually pretty descriptive." And he's like, "Well, what did they say?" They said it was hard to describe. He's like, "Huh?" Like I just th yeah. like this interaction was like peak. I was like this. This one mm -hmm. was really, it was just another step in the right direction of me going, you know what? Conleth Hill is Varys is the fucking shit. Like he is so good at this because mm -hmm. 
it's this part of the conversation is just like gossip, you know, like he's just, he's just like, Oh, what, what did they say? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, I, it, I was, it was just like a little, yeah, got like, Oh wow. Wait, really? Oh, wait. Interesting. Oh. Like, yeah, he was, I don't know. It was just like a little small talk, but the, the legend of the God rod pod himself, it just, it's going to spread um Always. across just i everywhere. almost picked one of the lines varus said here for my line where he's like well prodigies do spring up in the oddest places or something like that like uh he's a prodigy yes a sex we were prodigy talking, we said something last week about how it was like some sort of prophecy and i thought it was so funny that this like kept in keeping with that hey, uh yeah. it's real but regardless uh she then reports that uh, Littlefinger has not visited Sansa as far as she is concerned since the last they spoke and says that uh, she still thinks that he is obsessed with her and wants to smuggle her out of the city. And he asks, you know, why you think that? And she's like, here's a copy of his ship manifest. Uh, and he's like uh, looking it over and he's like, I suppose this is the point where you show me something that I do not see. Um, she's like, two feather beds. And he's like, oh, who must that be for? And as we know, it is in fact maybe for Sansa, because that doesn't yeah. happen for another season. Um, so I I'm guess like, I don't because Roz was there for whenever Littlefinger talked to Sansa out on the dock. Mm-hmm. You know, wasn't known what was said. So like, she's probably like, okay, well, maybe I'm like already a little suspicious of that. And then she sees two beds, and like, I see like, I just don't remember. Like any pressing, like I, I don't remember where this goes at all. Yeah. Another interesting bit tidbit here, though, is how much time passes between for the rest of this season. Like, Marjorie and Joffrey are engaged. The wedding season for episode two. Can't imagine it's like month. Like I can't imagine it's for fucking ever. You know, it's not like it's months. It's the rest of the season yeah, probably wow. takes the course of maybe maybe a month or two max. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Hmm. Yeah. And he and Littlefinger's going off to the Eyrie, right? Or to go with Lady Aaron? Yeah, to go. And when he does that, Sansa's with him. She does go with him? Yeah. That's right. I, I, yeah, because I'm like, she I doesn't don't... go to Highgarden. She doesn't marry... No, Laura. So I'm like, yeah, it's obviously sad. that doesn't. I happen. wish, I wish that would have happened. Oh uh, god, that would have been so. Yeah, like fuck. But, huh? Yeah, she does go with Littlefinger. That's right. Like, and that's not yeah. till season four. So like, hmm. this ship manifest is it not used for another fucking season? Like, that's interesting. Like, it just seems like seems really early to have a ship manifest if the ship isn't taking off within the month. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Yeah. Maybe, and he doesn't leave. Yeah, he stays in King's Landing until like he doesn't leave and come back and then go again. Or like, there's Not nothing. As far as I remember, and huh. maybe he does, but I I don't think he does. Like I'm like, I think that's the next time he leaves. But regardless, uh, after this, we go to Joffrey giving him giving Marjorie a tour of uh, of the Great Sept of Baylor, mm. where the royal wedding is to be held. And he goes through excitedly telling them the tales of dark chapters of the Great Sept's history and the triumphs over the Targaryens. And we get an important little tidbit. If you're a fan of the House of the Dragon, um, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. 
uh, Lady Rhaenyra supposedly died by being burnt and then eaten by her brother's dragon. And what's left of her is buried in the sept. And of course, it's been a very long time. History can be rewritten as such. And her brother, if if he were to win the war, could rewrite history as in, oh, yes, my I killed her. I slayed her with my dragon and he ate her. You know, like, there's so many things that could have happened. So, like, I'm not taking this as bond or anything you know what i'm saying um, yeah because haven't haven't there been some other lines that just aren't like the heron hall lines yeah. like okay like they could so very just, well just be like fuck it doesn't matter so i mean there's there's it could just be this is you know they're writing house of dragon or house of the dragon those shows now and they're not they don't really like how much do they truly care about like right. the the continuity of of a season that came out ten years ago now, like what isn't that? Yeah, like, ten years ago. God, are we kind of lining up with like the episode releases, like sort of now? Yeah, April. This one was April twenty first. Yeah, well, twenty thirteen. So getting kind of further apart now. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're still the same behind, month. But... Yeah, but like, dang. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's crazy that this came out ten years ago, though. Like, is it ten? Yeah. Or... Man, god dang. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah anywho marjorie's you know tolerating him and egging him on and letting him be who he is etc etc and olena asks if uh robert baratheon was buried here with the targaryen kings and the great sept and she explains that he wanted to be returned to storm's end in the end and uh Cersei dismisses the accident that claimed, Rob- claimed robert's life and olena Olen- laments her son's total lack of military prowess and Cersei points out, like, wasn't he there for the Siege of Storm's End? And she's like, nah, he's a pussy. Um, but, uh... Yeah, he's just Olen- in a tent eating food or tending to a feast, something like that. I don't know what the line yeah. was. But. <laughs> the only thing he laid siege to was his fucking table, you know? Like, he just he just sat there in his command tent. But, uh... Olenna muses on the shortcomings of the men in their lives and, arrange- and the arrangement of patriarchy in general. To which Cersei wistfully says that it is the will of the gods. Um, a line that Alina says here, a very, very high contention for my favorite line of the episode, simply because it's just, if you know what happens, just gobs of foreshadowing. She looks Cersei in the eye and tells her, we as mothers do all that we can mm. to steer our sons from the grave. She puts her son in the fucking ground. You know, like that's... That's Olena. She did that shit. Like, that's pimp. Damn. That's so pimp. Oh my god. Yeah, that there is a lot of foreshadowing that happens this episode. I didn't catch that one. Well, um, and uh there's even there's even more whenever Varys and Olena talk later, but uh that one just like her looking Cersei in the eye and saying, We do all we can to keep our sons from the grave. I was like, Oh, that's cold. Because she's already plotting that, you know? She's already trying to figure out a way yeah. to do that. Dude, the Terrells, like, they are... Everything is going their way right now. Like, they are so fucking good. They're eating. And then, like... There's only some... one thing. There's only one thing that can stop them. And it's if Cersei blows them all up. You know? Like, that's it. That's the only thing that will stop them. Is that is that why King Roberts maybe, like... His he didn't want to be buried there. Like I don't, he just didn't want to. But like I guess his remains aren't blown up. 
right? Because yeah, isn't that the building that goes is the one that they're yeah, that's this is the one. Yeah. So like, oh man, all the dragon remains and all. So like, Rhaenyra's yeah. remains and all Everything. that stuff is gone. Well, I uh, guess Daenerys burns further, down a lot further of further ashen. Yeah. So I guess King's Landing just gets fucked kind of a lot. Um, gets rebuilt probably quite a lot, but. Yeah, everything that was at, everyone that was cremated to ashes just continues being ashes, you know. A little more just ashy, a, yeah. Just in a different spot. Um, <laughs> but, uh, nevertheless, uh, while they're distracted, distracted, Marjorie convinces Joffrey to greet the crowd outside that they'll love him and everything, and that they they love her and everything's all happy. And the crowd cheers for them, and Cersei is real. Thing that control. Uh, but after that, mm. Cersei decides she's going to have to go take a visit to her father. Um, and this scene was very close to being my favorite scene up until the end, uh, just because Lena Hetty and Charles Dance acting opposite each other. We don't get it a lot, which I didn't really realize, like one on one until this happened. And I was like, oh, shit, we rarely get scenes with them alone. And this was so fucking good. Um, she went off she wants to here. Dude, um, dude. Yeah. Like she, she wants to, uh, you know, make sure that they're doing everything they can to find Jamie. And someone's like, "Oh, you mean my only son and my only heir? You expect me to yeah. go to war for Tyrion Lannister?" But yeah, not I called him Jamie. like a, yeah, a little runt. Yeah, I called him like a little runt too. Like you, I went to. What did I do for that little? Something runt, run and then he's like, "Well, went to war." Yeah, I went to war. Like that. The thing is, is like, there's some lines where I'm like on Cersei's side, where she's like, um, yeah, like when she's like, I don't like my whole childhood. You, you know, I've just never been been seen. You know, like I've just because I'm a woman, you never, you never yeah, let you me have the light. And oh. um. Uh. And like, I don't dismiss you because you're a woman. I dismiss you because you're not as smart as you think you are. I was like, oh my god, damn. Like, eesh. Um, it just, he, he just seems to, to know exactly what to say. That is the worst possible thing you could say for like Cersei at that time. And again, um, just doing <laughs> other things. Like, this man's always multitasking. Nothing's ever important enough to keep him occupied. He's got to, he's doing whatever he's doing. Whatever you have to say is a back, a background thought, a background activity. He doesn't give a fuck. You know? You're right. Like, he is always doing something. You're right. He will do whatever oh. he wants to do. And if you have something to say, sure. You can come say it, but he'll mm. dismiss his fault. He'll shut the door. Like, uh, I, I hate him, but goddamn awesome. Eric Oster Formick. Like, uh, he's incredible. I know. Charles Dan. He's, he's Man. Great. Like, whenever Cersei eventually is just like, like, goddamn, I, I just, I kind of finally opened up, you know, and I thought we were getting somewhere and you shut that down, whatever. But she finally lets out like the, you try, you know, you try and tell Joffrey no of something that he likes, you know, see how that goes for you. I and will. he just, and does, what does he, what does he does, it, does he, what happens? He tells Joffrey, you are not the king, essentially. 
Like he, Wait, he eventually Actually? suns him. Yeah, he eventually suns him and goes, I am ruling. You are just a guy who's on the throne. Okay. I, I did not remember this. Not, not in so many words. I'm very, I'm uh, summing yeah. that up very, very mm-hmm. succinctly. Uh, but that's essentially what he eventually does to Joffrey. He's like, yes, you have a lot of power, but you are nothing to me. Okay. That's uh, awesome. That, I mean, yeah. he, he does what Tyrion did, except Joffrey actually fears Tywin. He didn't, he didn't fear Tyrion, yeah. you know, like, uh, I would fear Tywin though. That, that's too. a I'd be scared that's of that a man. scary man. That is He's a scary freaky. man. He is a freaky motherfucker. But uh, yeah. nevertheless, she she says she fears that she's lost control of him to Marjorie, and he says, "Yeah, yeah. It, I wish I wish you could have controlled him." And so on and so forth. He confirms that he will be the one to control Joffrey eventually. But meanwhile, Olena is seated in the garden with two of Marjorie's cousins, where they she just absolutely shits on one of their art work just because she hates the house words and the house sigil because you know she's she's a badass and she doesn't like that there's a golden rose and growing strong etc etc i eat my food with a golden rose i shit in a bucket with a golden rose i sleep on golden rose sheets yeah like she's i i don't know it's partly i think she's also it's not just her being an old lady and being mean, you know. I think it's also to show them that, like, the house words and all the stuff, like, it doesn't matter. You know, like, she, she's oh. just, um, it's, it's just, like, the way she lives and the way that she talks about everything. Like, She's fucking awesome. Um, it, yeah. Like, I was damn close to, a, like, there were two, there were only two people, uh, three people, I will say, that were considered for me for both character and performance. Mm. Diana Rigg as Elena Ty- Tyrell. Very, very closely considered for both. Varys was too good, and Amelia Clark and Daenerys was the other one. But uh, we will. Uh, she was just fantastic in this scene. You know, winter is coming. Memorable. We do not sow strong words. Dire wolves and krakens, fierce mm. beasts. And uh, and then Varys arrives, and she's like, "Ooh, look, a spider in the garden." <laughs> Yeah, look, little love, love birds, a spider yeah. in the garden. I love how poetic Game of Thrones can get out of nowhere. Uh, yeah, like the hound gets poetic out of nowhere too. Yeah. You know, like, oh, hush, little bird, I'll put you back in your cage. You know, or whatever he says. You know, to Sansa, and then I don't know, I, out of nowhere, like that's the show. It's the humor is so different. The visuals are just, it, it. It has just everything, and I just I don't. I don't know how to explain it and put it into words. It's just like Podrick and what he does in the bedroom. You know, that's how good this show is. I just, I just can't quite describe it. And that's what we do. That's, that's what we do. We get on a podcast and we try to describe into words what we're watching. That's what we do all day for quite a while. And I, I can't do it. Um, I just can't quite put it into words. But, uh, Varys here, uh, tries to greet Olena. And, you know, he's, he's his usual self. He's being a, a, like vaguely flirtatious mm. to kind of entice people to be kind to him and mm. like, you know, get a repertoire going and, uh, uh, uh your, repartee, not repertoire. Yeah. Uh, your, your energy or you've made King's Landing brighter ever since you've got. Oh, it. have I? No. You trying yeah, to excuse me, Varys? Yeah, you, I fear okay. it would be for not. What happens when the non-existent butts with the decrepit, you know, and he's like, 
he like looks down at his crotch. He's like, what the fuck lady? Uh, absolutely fucking loved it. Uh, so good question for the philosophers to ponder or whatever, you know, like, Oh man, she's so good. Like, and this is like one of the only times ever there's one other person who can match Varys's wit. And I mean, Tyrion can match his wit, but as far as his, uh, fast talking his trying to manipulate trying to get to the heart of the issue Littlefinger is typically the only person who Varys has like a match with that's Olenna why he gives enjoys him a run him. for their fucking mom. I see I see because he I was trying to figure out why he says that he enjoys Littlefinger but it's just it's another it's kind of like an equal thing mm-hmm. it's like the only other per, you know he's that good um it's a challenge it's like you know res- kind of like a I don't know, just respect for how, mm-hmm. even though he hates the things that he's doing, you got to respect like, the, you know, I don't like the way him. he's going about it, I guess. Yeah. Um, anytime we are together talking to each other, it's the only time I feel challenged. You know, yeah. like it's the only time I feel like I'm now, trying hard. Yeah. Now Varys found another, I don't know, someone who could replace Littlefinger now. Um, I don't know, because it is. They would okay. It sounds really weird at first, um, but I just do think it's just a r- hilarious that they hit on each other and the idea that they're just kind of like an unspoken couple, um, almost. You know, like they're just they both like sex is just kind of out out of their lives forever. She's old. Varys just can't really do it anymore. So they, I don't know. I just it's weird to say that they're cute together, but like I don't know how else to describe it. Like it's just kind of like they have these. I don't know, like the friend, just their friendship, um, I guess is a better, just a better way to, to say it. Um, just like the tropes that they have, um, between them, um, are just, I don't know. It's something that you can only get out of a show like this. You can't, I don't know. It, no. Where else are you going to get a, a dude with his dick and balls chopped off that's also in a seat of power and, mm. and a old grandma, you know, that yeah. is, is just a- absolutely actually running things. Also, right. behind the scenes, like, I don't know, just doesn't I happen love in any other show. The the line that Olenna delivers where she's like, uh, it feels as though you're about to arrive at the point. And then, like, Conleth Hill, his choice to, like, completely switch demeanor. He, like, just switches on a dime. He's like, I'm going to talk about Sansa Stark. I am concerned mm-hmm. for her well-being, and I feared that you might be, too. So, uh, like, like, all that was so fucking good, you know? Like, uh, he he explains that, you know, I... If Sansa were to, you know, fall into the hands of Littlefinger, we might all mm. have concerns. Um, what this also means about Olena, the implication of her actions later on, is that she is obviously willing to sacrifice Sansa to Littlefinger as long as it means that she can kill Joffrey, which is uh, something she does later on. Uh, she she mm. kills Joffrey and Sansa runs off with Littlefinger. She's like, yeah, I mean, like, win some, you lose some. Is it? Does Sansa head out with Littlefinger right after Joffrey dies? Right like, after. is it is it like that? What leaves, makes him leave? leaves from the wedding and runs to his boat. Yeah. Okay. So maybe so Littlefinger telling her, "I have other business to attend to. I don't know when I'm going to be leaving." Was he really just saying like, I, "Joffrey's probably going to die soon, and we're going to need to get out of here, and you're going to need to get out of here. I'm going to offer you this, you know, get out of jail card." Because it's probably going to happen, or like, was he planning on just leaving actually on his own, you know, with Sansa? I, hopefully, 
I think um, that I think the latter is more the more likely option because I think this series of events right here, mm-hmm. this conversation Varys has with Elena is what even gives her the idea to collude with Littlefinger to make that happen. Okay. Yeah. I think I think that like saying that Littlefinger like she knows Littlefinger has a lot of influence and is uh-huh. willing to do things because of Varys's line like uh he would burn the kingdom he would burn this country down if it meant he could be king of the ashes. She's like, dope, I'll keep that in mind. You know, like I'll I'll use him the way I, I will use him and mm. then I'll toss him aside, give him what he wants. I don't give a fuck. Uh like incredible. You know, like I, I I love the way that this kind of lays groundwork for what what happens later on. The intricacy of the game that's being played right now, like, is nuts. The fact that we can like have Littlefinger's position and how like he has you know um, he has the title and whatever, and like how long until he gets the army, you know, and like mm. like he, he's slowly building up his play, but Varys, you know him doing this saying these things it's not like that he's just doing this because he's doing it because whether one he feels like the Rome is actually at, in, at risk and he wants to, I don't know like because he, he says he's he's for the realm and I think I don't know he's not very selfish you know I don't know he he likes to keep his position I guess you know on the small council um so I I don't I don't see like any other motive for Varys other than like keeping his position mm-hmm. um but genuinely his his motives are just like at this he's playing it as to help sansa and to help an innocent girl but obviously it's to like it's I so think, that the north doesn't fall into the hands of little yeah that's like his main goal is like well if it ends up with the tyrells and like you have this marriage i think i'm more cool like i think Varys is cool with that he's like yeah, yeah this this is very good for the realm um, yeah, and the next scene kind of shows how Olena's got her hands in multiple baskets because it she she immediately sent Marjorie to go talk to Sansa. Yeah, you know, oh. go go out there, tell her maybe she can marry Loras and stuff. You'll go to Highgarden, that's where you'll be. That's you're going to be your new home. Oh, you want to marry Loras? I know you want to marry Loras. Uh, the easiest manipulation, and and like <laughs> Olena even said it too. Like, oh well, uh, you don't need to be clever to see this solution. This one's quite easy, and then yeah. immediately cut. To Marjorie, just being like, "Hey, um, I'm your friend now. Let me be friendly to you, and you, which you've never seen in King's Landing, pretty much. Um, and then let me tell you that you're going to marry the person that you think is the hottest guy in the entire kingdom, and right. is one of the best. You know, like part of the richest. Like, obviously, you're going to say yes to that, and you'll be my sister. Like, yeah, easy, easiest. I just feel so bad for Sansa. Like, she likes what's happening, but like." If she knew, like, you know, why it was all happening, um, would she feel as happy as she is right now? I don't know. Um, she's being used a little bit, or a lot of it, yeah. right here. She's a tool. Um, she's a tool to everyone else, and she realizes, uh, she doesn't realize that yet, but one day she does, and she becomes a real badass when that happens. Um, that's, but true. that's true. after that, we head to the north. Where Theon Greyjoy is being led by the boy who set him free from the dungeon and then rescued him by killing his captors. Uh, he's, he's leading him to Deepwood Mott. And Theon's like, ah, oh, yeah, I was so pissed when my sister was sent to capture this. And 
he's concerned about all this stuff and they, they get to this tunnel where they get to a gate and as the boy fumbles around with his keys uh, at the lock gate, Theon sinks to the ground and starts, you know, getting all sorry for himself, you know. Did my father know? Mm. He probably did. He probably left me for dead. You know, I, I, he gave me a choice and I made a choice and I, we, this is the one that gives me what I think I can finally confirm as my absolute favorite line of the episode. Theon Greyjoy saying, my real father died in King's Landing. I made a choice and I chose wrong. Like that level of acknowledgement almost makes it like that's, I forgot that this happens and that's why it's so hard to watch him get tortured after. Yeah. I mean, it's already hard to watch him get tortured. Torture is hard to watch, but like he's, the fact he realized, that he realized his he was wrong. Yeah. And like he knows he was wrong. He's done. He's like, I, I did the wrong thing. I'm, I'm the bad guy. I was the bad guy in this story. The way he was wording it at first, like I could, I could never be a Stark. Like he's already like saying like, I've, I've done like, no, I've done so much bad to them that I can't be a Stark any longer. You know, like mm. he, at first you think it's because he's on the side of the Ironborn and his father, but no, like, no, no he's and then, like, like, I, I fucked up that bad. Like, oh man. And that Dude, Alfie Allen is fucking incredible. He's my, one of my choices for performance. Mm. Um, it's either him or Amelia Clark, um, for me. And Varys was my sleeper pick, which I'm glad is not a sleeper pick at all. And that it is, you know, one of them. Um, and I think, I don't know, Alfie Allen, it's either Alfie Allen or Amelia Clark. And I guess maybe I'll just wait until after we discuss, um, mm. her scene. Uh, to decide but man i don't know alfie like this was i forgot i do not remember this scene at all and mm. whenever he was like yeah my father got his head chopped off in king's Lane, i was like uh like i was like no like i i was like no like he's he, this is perfect this is like he if he could say this to rob or you know, he, but that's the thing. He knows even if he says all of this, there's still nothing he can do. But at least he gets it out to, to somebody and that, you know, like he got it out to the worst yeah. person, you know, probably. But at least I, we heard sleeper, it. You, know? you described Conleth Hill as hmm. your sleeper. My sleeper was Ewan Rion, uh, the actor for Ramsey. Uh, Ooh. because the way he portrays, because not only is he an actor, who's performing his character is acting and performing uh it's there's a layer to it where like there's this point where uh it's definitely to throw off the viewer and to give you one last hope uh for theon i think but uh there's this part where in the midst of theon's story ramsey like looks down and looks sad and downtrodden for him and stuff and i don't think that's like I don't think that Ramsey would do that. You know, I don't think that Ramsey would be like, oh, no, poor you. You know, like, mm. I think Ramsey would fucking smile whenever someone's like, I'm sad. He'd be like, <laughs> good. Yeah. Um, but like, just the layers there. And that man has a face made for f medieval fantasy stories. Do like, doesn't he just look like, look like You're he belongs kinda right. in a story like this? You're kind of right. Yeah, he just kind of reminds does... me of like a hobbit from Lord of the Rings, uh, like in the best way possible. Like this dude's, this yeah. dude's, no, I, he just kind of like, he's got like kind of, kind of chubby cheeks. He's got like a nice rounded nose. I think he's, I think he's a good looking man. 
uh, from I don't want to be like this. It makes him ugly. No, like he just looks like he was supposed to be in fantasy television. It doesn't. You're right. Yeah, and I mean, even like the smile, you know, like whenever Dude. he lights the flame and like this, he starts to like see Theon <laughs> go through it. And, like he looks insane. Oh, he's like, very yeah. good, at, and he will eventually get some performance nods because he's so damn good in this role. Mm. Um, not today, but uh, he he was damn good. And uh, we know what happens there. He leads him back into the room. The ex is there. He's like, no, 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 no. He gets tied up again. He's like, oh, dude. Just all right that. after he gives this monologue of like apologizing yeah. and like you're feeling like, oh, man, yeah. I, You know what? I kind of do feel bad for you, Theon. Oh, oh, that's really unfortunate. Now I really feel bad for you, Theon. Um, yeah, it was just and we know where where it goes for him. From here on out, no, we're good. Um, no, we're good, Reek. So, but, uh, yeah. After that, no point. We head, we head north of the wall at Craster's Keep, where tensions are running high. And uh, you know, Samwell gives a visit to Gilly, deeply distraught about the fate of her newborn son. She's frantic, and Sam's like, "No, no, no, no. We'll be good. We'll figure this out. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be good. It'll be good." Uh, <laughs> she gives him back his mother's thimble and says she doesn't care. She can't care about shit besides this baby. So, like fuck you, get me out of here, whatever you want to do, bye. Um, but then after that, some of their wounded have died from their injuries. And Lord Commander Jior Mormont leads a funeral service as they burn the corpse of a man named Bannon on a pyre. Mormon didn't know the man well, but he rode bravely into the unknown lands beyond the wall, and therein he deserves a, a, a funeral. And uh, he gives the eulogy, and they conclude it with, and now his watch is ended where this episode got his name. Mm. And uh, one of the boys in the fire being like, man, I didn't know Brennan could smell that good. Yeah, that was cool. I was like, ooh, (laughs) like, man, you got to be, I guess, I don't know. I don't know what a human, I mean, I guess it's just, you know, would it just smell like meat, you know? Like, would it smell... Like, I don't think so. I think that there's a level here where they are starving. They 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 want food so fucking bad that he's like, I never knew Brandon Brandon could smell so good. Like he's like, I'm so fucking hungry. I never thought a human being would smell good, but he does. Um, yeah, that's rough. That and oh man, because I, I know like human hair burning is like one of the worst. It terrible. just smells so bad. But like, I know it sounds weird, but like. If you, <laughs> no, I know, I know if you, I know like the meat part, it would probably smell good because if you burn like a pig, it's probably just going to smell like a little burnt bait, you know, a little burnt, but it's probably going to smell good. Yeah, um, or at least a little bit. Yeah, no, I don't I know. You. I guess, yeah, no, it would smell good at first, but then it would start just smelling bad and burnt. burnt. So yeah, they're just hungry to the point where yeah, they're just, they're just hungry on the right. verge of death. Uh, yeah. But, uh, they get into the main hall at Craster's Keep and, you know, Craster continues to give them shit and they're like, they're finally fed up. Um, a man named Carl steps up and he's like, you know what? Fuck you. Fuck you, dude. The bread has sawdust in it. And, you know, I'm I'm done. I'm really done. And Mormont's like, you need to go outside. And he's like, I really won't. I don't want to. This is this is either where I die or he dies. Guarantee it. Uh, <laughs> this was, I mean, you know. I didn't really agree with the, the this dude's methods, but I'm like, hey, I'm I'm about it. You know, I didn't remember really what happened here. I'm like, well, you know, if he dies or whatever, like, yeah, I'm kind of with him. Like, it's kind of like a Narkeena five. You know, it's like 
you got to fight. You're either going to die trying or you're going to escape and you're going to get out. Like, do you want to, do you want to keep going where you're going or do you want to do something about it? One way out is to murder this motherfucker with a knife through the throat, up through the mouth. Fucking God. Thank God. Oh, and right at, you know, after he says, I'm a godly man. And, you know, and like all that stuff, he goes on his God complex again. And then you're like, you're a bastard. Call uh, me bastard one more time. He goes, yeah, you know what? You're a bastard. You are. And that that was the point where he's like, you know what? Yeah. I'm a murderer this motherfucker. I'm done. I am really done. He, he go, yeah, I don't know what he said, but he kind of went in on, like, called him a bastard remember, three times, like, like slimy, wildling, inbred, I don't know, something. I don't know. He kind of went hard on Do you on remember Carl's, Carl's way out later on? Carl's? Carl's the guy who steps up and stabs him through under the, through under the chin. Oh, that's, okay. Do I remember oh. how, hmm. Ooh. If you don't, I don't even want to tell you. That's like one nope. of the, that's one of the gnarliest deaths. It's one of the coolest fights before. So fucking cool. Yeah, but, no, I don't remember. Um, mm. Nevertheless, Carl holds off Craster's axe with his left hand and uses his dagger to ram it through his throat. And uh, as Craster goes to the ground, Lord Commander Mormont bellows that the gods will curse him for this as a guest killing a host who has accepted them into his home and fed them breaks the laws of gods and men, which is the same law that later on Walter Frey will break in this very season. Uh, Is that really what he means? Or is he saying like, well, now the White Walkers aren't going to be happy and they're going to come even further and like now we're fucked. Like, is it more of like, I don't killed him. I don't think Mormont knows he sacrifices them to whites. I think he just knows he kills his he kills his sons. I think he knows he leaves them out in the woods. I don't think he knows that something comes and takes them. John frames it later on as he knew what came and take them and came and took them. But whenever he confronted mm. whenever John confronted Gior about it, he was like, "I know. I know what he does with them." Like I think all he knows is that they get left out in the woods. I don't think he knows necessarily that a fucking eight foot tall blue ice being comes and picks him up hmm yeah hmm yeah i don't know because i guess he he does see like at castle black the revived walk you know walker and you know i guess he's shocked you know he would be shocked that one would be at the wall even if he did know you know i right. guess but like it's probably you're probably right. He probably just – it makes more sense that he just knows Craster's that much of a dick that he's like, if it's a son, he just leaves him out in the woods to die. Like, that does – yeah, because that's – he's just that brutal of a man. Like, that's just what you he does. You know another yeah. man who has 99 sons? That's – that's So weird. is Gilly – is that the 100th? Is that the 100th or is that 99? I think it's – I think it's 100 because I, I think he doesn't know he had another son. Whoa, sorry, an ice cream truck just drove down our street. Oh, and so I haven't I haven't heard that song in so long. Well, that, yeah, that was just really weird. Um I couldn't I I just couldn't even believe it was real for a second. Anyway. Um uh no, I get you, but uh yeah, after this all hell breaks loose. Everyone starts fighting. Uh Ras stabs Gior Mormont in the back. Mormont slams him up against a wall, nearly choking him to death. But before he can finish the job, he collapses dead, uh, as the knife wound is mortal. Uh, Sam runs out, 
grabs Gilly and the baby. They run off into the night, and Rast is like, run, piggy. I'll soon be cutting your throat, too. God, man. Like, Rast fucking sucks. Yeah, like, I mean, they were hungry and pissed, and, like, I understand killing Craster, but, like, now you're going over after one of your own, too, after you killed, like, now you have all the food and stuff that you want. Like, you're still hating on sin. Yeah, you're still going on that. Like, all right, man. Like, a little bit of trivia here at the end of, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna start doing this thing. I wanna do, I wanna do something, uh, maybe every episode, maybe every other episode, who knows? Just whenever I feel like it. Um, random question, random question of the episode. Sometimes it'll be trivia, sometimes it'll be yes or no, would you rather, et cetera, et cetera. You know, um, this one is a trivia and it is as it pertains to Game of Thrones. There is several actors in Game of Thrones who have crossed over with DC. Jason Momoa as Cal, as Cal Drogo played Aquaman. Uh, the guy who plays uh, Roose Bolton is in Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, there's all sorts of DC crossover, including two characters who have been in Batman movies in the Dark Knight trilogy specifically. Um, Littlefinger's actor Aiden Gillen is in mm. The Dark Knight Rises. Okay. And... Um, uh, Joffrey's actor is in Batman Begins as a small kid um, who Batman saves. Fuck. There is one actor in this show who has played Batman. Who has played Bruce Wayne. Do you know who that actor is? Bruce Wayne. Okay. Okay, let's think. Is it Bruce Wayne from Gotham? That a young? Is it a young? It it prop. Is it a young Bruce Wayne or is it a Bruce Wayne that I know? That's my thing. I don't. I don't. I don't think you've watched this. However, Uh, he did. He did play. It is live action. He played Bruce Wayne. He is past his prime, and uh, a mentor to. Nightwing and all, all all those characters. I can tell you what show he appeared in because it won't help you at all with the uh, the actor it was. It's Titans, the show Titans. Okay, on yeah. HBO. Dang, no, I haven't watched it. Um, Good show, strongly recommend. It is Ian Glenn, the actor for Jorah Mormont, played Bruce Wayne, Batman in live action. I could see him being a, an old Bruce. Yeah. Um, now that I'm thinking it's a, about it, it's, yeah. it's a shit adaptation. Very, very hmm. bad, bad Bruce Wayne. But Bruce Wayne, nonetheless. <laughs> wow. Um, Got a Batman up in here? I had no we idea. You do, do have a Batman. Yeah. So that's the that's the first of many questions to come. Uh, in the pods that I would be. not have I would not have known. I would have, I guess, watching the show could have helped. But yeah, fail. Oh, for one. Uh, trivia. Yeah, the trivia um, ones. I'm I'm gonna do ones that I'm like, you know, kind of informative. Ones that are like, I would I would try to get you. Not really like, oh, this will be an easy softball question. You know, like if I'm if I'm willing to no, ask. I like it. that. Yeah, no, I'd rather no, I I'd rather go oh for however many you have. I'd rather it be I learn something every time. You know, so if I'm right, then uh, cool. But if yeah, I'm wrong, I learn there something new. So yeah, I, hey, I and did. if you if you ever want to come prepared with some questions, you just you just pipe you just pipe in. I'm there. <laughs> Uh, but I've, I've had, I've had that one on the mind for like weeks and like kept forgetting to ask it. Um, but this week I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to ask the question. Uh, This is, 
And the reason I ask is because now we are in Astapor, where Daenerys has arrived before Krasnus and the other slave masters of the city with her Dothraki to gift the dragon in exchange for the Unsullied, all 8,000 of them. Krasnus tells Daenerys via Missande and Lovalyrian that many of the Unsullied have not yet seen battle, but she would do well to blood them early, having them attack some minor cities and towns here and there, da 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 da, -da so on and so forth, and Daenerys, you know, it's like, yeah, cool, sure, fine, fuck it. Um, she knows what she's Daenerys about. She has her mind set yeah. the whole time. Like, yep. she's, she's like, known all right. for a while now what she was going to do here. Uh, she lets her dragon out of its cage and leads it on a chain over to Krasnus. And Drogon does not take, you know, kind to this. Not not a fan of what's happening by by any means. And Krasnus, in exchange, gives her the uh, the leash to the Unsullied in the shape of a harpy, might I add. Um, interesting. Signifying the ownership of the Unsullied. And uh, Daenerys asks, is it done? And Krasnus goes, yep, tell the bitch it's done. And to the surprise of Masande, Daenerys <laughs> calls the Unsullied to attention in Valyrian and proceeds to test them with basic Valyrian marching commands. So it's like, okay, yeah, she might just know. She might just know the Valyrian commands. That might just be all it is. Uh, but then she turns back to Krasnus <laughs> and starts sunning her. And the way Masande like looks over at Daenerys and like smiles, the way Jorah like lights up a little bit. It was just. Like it's exactly how we all felt watching the scene. You know, it's just I like have to, yes. there's one thing that I I didn't realize until this watch. Um like we get the subtitles and we get to know what Daenerys is saying, and obviously the people who speak Valyrian know, but like Jorah has no clue, right? Like he doesn't speak and no. he might maybe understands a few words. He understands right. the intention. He's like, okay, I'm grabbing my He's sword like, now. Oh, I get you know? what's happening. Um, but, like, he has no idea what's being said at all. And that's what makes his reactions, like, even better. Like, whenever he looks to, like, Sir Barristan, you know, and they're just, like, smiling. Like, holy shit, we're watching. Like, she's she's owning shit. And then they look at each other like, oh, wait a minute. We might be, like, we might be going right here. You know, we got to get ready now. And then, yeah, like. Right. After it, like, I don't know, it's just a, a a thing that didn't hit me that, like, yeah, there's a lot, most of the people there don't know what she's saying at all. Yeah, um, the ones that are important to Daenerys. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but, I don't know. I, 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 I guess we thought that this was good enough to be a season finale. Um, yeah, it is. You it's know, at the strong. end, yeah. Um, we thought it was the season finale, but that's just the tear that Daenerys goes on. Um, yeah. Man, whenever she, she turns around, like, I am Daenerys Stormborn of the House Targaryen. Valyrian is my mother tongue. <laughs> now burn, bitch. Uh, Dracarys, yeah. one of the hardest actresses in the entire show here. Um, just oh, absolutely. Her theme, the music yeah, too, that swell, you know, like, and the, the little noise that plays right before the, the the you know dragon breath like that little wah 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 like the distortion noise or i don't yeah. know what that is i love that noise and then the just the grand theme that plays like whenever everyone's just dying and yeah this the head connection that they have you know she just said dracarys one time so is that drogon just going off and being like all right let me let me just burn down shit or is you know is there that mind connection that they have there's, that daenerys is like all right there because she wouldn't just be like you know what kill whoever the she's fuck like, is here you know she's like all right i'm standing right here 
it'd look really cool if you lit this wall of the castle on fire, Drogon. So go here. This is one of the examples where, like, before before they got there, he was in that cage. He was like, "All right, don't worry. You're not going to be here for long. This is what's going to happen." You know? Yeah. It's another one of those. I'm not actually leaving you. I'm not actually giving you up. Just whenever I give you the word, that's when we go into action. Okay. Whenever I say the word, we go. You burn the bad guys, okay? But uh, yeah, this she she demands the unsullied. You know, kill the masters, kill kill everyone that's ever uh, owned a slave, free all the slaves, uh, don't kill any children, break all the chains, do your thing, guys, deuces. Uh, and so all hell breaks loose, and the imagery after it's done, that like golden hour shot of like Jorah walking oh. up to Daenerys and her being silhouetted Just- in the sun. Standing with like the the whip, I guess. Yeah. In her, isn't yeah, just the whip in her hand, like just staring off in the distance, not even looking back to Jorah at all. And she just starts. She like, I guess, did she just stand there the whole time and just watch everything happen? You know, that's just kind of what I like to believe is she's just she's just reveling in the moment, and then it's all like done. She walks off. She marches on. You know, she's on to the next thing. She's just like, or I guess no. She gives a. She actually stew her army. Duh. Um, and while so. the scene previous with her, you know, surprising everybody and actually mm. being able to speak Valyrian and taking and doing the Dracarys and all that is an awesome scene. My actual favorite scene of the episode is her freeing the Unsullied and them oh. rallying behind her, tapping the spears oh, against the ground. So uh, good. And the uh, reason that I would consider Amelia Clark for the performance at all, obviously she's badass. It's a really great performance of a badass character. To speak a language that doesn't exist so fucking well is insane. That's that's why she's up there. Like I have Alfie Allen and Amelia Clark, and part of my reason was yeah, she's speaking a language that she had to learn, and the like emotion that she's giving during certain times, like lines up with whenever you read the subtitles like really well like i don't know it just it like the emotion matches what you're reading and Mm -hmm. like how do like to even have to pronounce like she has to pronounce all those words correctly fake words completely made up words and have the actual emotion of the translation behind it too Mm -hmm. and i was i was like damn like yeah um did feel really badass and like she had a lot of I don't know that's the thing it did feel really good but like I think like Alfie Allen's performance like actually that's the thing that makes the scene is Alfie Allen's performance you don't really need Amelia Clark to go as hard because just what's happening on screen is amazing by itself it also is just a very very nice cherry on top that Amelia Clark is absolutely killing it at the same time Um, so I, I mean, I think I will go Alfie Allen. I'll let him, I'll let him shine this, uh, this episode because I, I might be his last one um, as Theon. I guess. Um, does yeah, he be like? Is it. It can't be long now before he loses his dick, huh? When, like, is it right away that Ramsey is like, you're no longer Theon, like no, you he are gets Reek. tortured to the point where he accepts being Reek. I think. Okay, so it's not right away. Oh yeah, no, that's right. Be because next it's, episode. It's, it's like, who are you? 
agree. Yeah, you're right. No, because I think the like he's asked, "Who are you?" And it's like Theon's like, "Nope, wrong. Beat you up." And it's like until it takes a while to get him to submit to Reek. I think that's mm-hmm. right. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I like the it. It almost got me to like tear. Like I guess I did like tear. I well up a little bit. I didn't cry, but it was just like an emotional yeah. moment when Theon. I don't know, actually was just talking about Ned and like I failed my my actual father, you know, and like, oh my God, like oh, what would he think? Like, I don't know. So I think, I don't know. I think it. I will actually give it to Alfie Allen over Amelia Clark um, here for the episode. Oh, wow. I dig but, it. but yeah, she's getting the scene. That's for sure. Like this is, yeah. this is the scene of the episode the without the a episode. doubt. And there's um, no doubt. And when it comes to the rating, I think it's enough to propel this episode to a 10. Uh, as far as enjoyment is concerned, I'm struggling to find like this might be the perfect episode, and I don't like the only hesitation I have is in the critical. But like, what did they miss here? Is that like I I don't I don't like I would just personally argue that there are. 100% 10 out of 10 out of 10 episodes in this in this show. While I do think this episode was brilliantly written, incredibly well acted, visually stunning, I do think there is room to grow visually. You know, whenever it came That's... to season whenever it came to season okay. 8, you know, it's it's I know the budget at that point is waking different. When it came to the complaints about season eight, wasn't a soul in the room complaining about the production value, the visuals, or anything. That shit looked beautiful. And this that is, is the standard for a 10. Like, in order for something to be a 10 out of 10 critically, it has to look that good. Um, Now, you can argue that later on, those episodes won't get 10 out of 10s for other reasons, and that's fair. But uh, whenever an episode has everything else going for it, and it doesn't quite look the same as what the show eventually looks like. Yeah, I I hesitate. I hesitate. I um, I can I can actually get behind that because I would actually argue that last episode was more visually beautiful than than this episode. Um, because I I mean I I even remember like I had I was gonna try to do screenshots I think for last episode and realized yeah no that's impossible for a show like this. But I think this episode it wouldn't have actually been. I think I just no, yeah, I, I there, so there happened to just shots, start. You know, like yeah, there was stuff um, that stood out, like the like that golden hour shot of Daenerys there. I thought that was stunning, and some of the stuff with the Brotherhood earlier on, very mm-hmm. good. But beyond that, you know, there wasn't a lot that to me was uh, brilliant. You know, like it was good. Yeah, I guess a lot was just you. very close in. Just character. It was just you were focused on the people. This episode, mm-hmm. not really what was going on. I get yeah, like mo, like I, I could you. I don't know. I only one shot that I remember was like Varys and um Olena, like and you could see down into like the yeah, yeah like yeah, yeah. that but like that one up too. But really that um, was like pretty much it. Like visually like where I was like, Okay, wow, this is just they're showing off, yeah. you know, like sort of thing. But But what so would I, that make you land at critically? I guess nine five, nine seven five. Nine five is the see there's the floor. It's yeah. either a nine five or nine seven five. I think how much does visuals really hurt it? I don't think. Like well, that's the thing. If it looked bad, it'd be a different story. 
it still looks good and does have visually great shots. It's just not peak throughout the entire episode. And therein, I think a 975 might be warranted. I guess a 975 would give it a 992. Um, if we just give it a 10 genre, I mean, I, I kind of slid in that 10 genre, um, yeah, unspoken, but, right. um, if, if it is a 9.5, it'd be a 9.83. Um, but I mean, I, I remember watching this episode and I'm like, damn, there's not much more I could ask for. Um, and I think visuals was the only thing. I think like that, you're, you're right. And like if, if it was just shot like a season eight episode, this We're would be perfect. perfect. Yeah. This would be perfect. Um, but yeah, okay, okay. I think I, I agree there. So a, a nine seven five would put at a nine nine two. Got to um, tie it for the best or second best, right? Because we have given a ten out of ten out of ten, right? Baylor was that? The, yeah. Oh no, Baylor was a ten ten nine five critically. Uh, Baylor was. Um, then this one has to be a ten ten nine five. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't know if, if, if Baylor was shot. Even, I don't know. That's. Baylor was a better looking episode than this was. I guess it wasn't um, as stacked. Well, no, it was as stacked was. the whole time because we did say that. We're like, oh, well, I, we only thought the Ned was dying, but we realized that we got everything else as well. So, 9-5. In fact, yeah. that makes me want to make this a 9-5 and bump the other one up to a 9-7-5. You know bump what I'm Baylor saying? Bump Baylor up? Yeah. Yeah. Cause... I'm like, I don't think this is the same level as Baylor. I think it's one of the best episodes of the show, which is why it gets a 98%, mm. but Baylor is potentially the best episode of this show. So, Yeah, I think I'm actually comfortable bumping Baylor, uh, doing that switch if you want to. Because um, we, we together invoke sumai and change oh, is this the first sumai do we even i guess that's only whenever one was in disagreement with the other but we this is uh maybe a mutual just, sumai yeah a mutual yeah this is a, a good sumai so baylor gets the jump from a 98 to a 99 and like uh and we'll have we'll have and now his watch is ended at a 98 it's a strong one, a surprisingly strong one. I didn't expect that out of a out of an episode four in the middle of a season. Mm. You know, that's a it's a crazy episode. But with that, I think we will conclude this episode of Winter mm. is Blooming. If you would head to patreon.com slash penny bloom where you'll find over fifty hours of exclusive content, including all sorts of movie reviews, book reviews, comic book pull lists. Uh I'm currently about to finish uh, the High Republic's latest novel, Cataclysm, for Star Wars, and I will have that uh, that book review up within the week. I'm watching a bunch of movies for the first time, and therein my first viewings project will continue very soon. Uh, I rank 15 movies that have no binding beyond the fact that I've watched them for the first time. That is that is all that is. So uh, that that's a fun project over there for three dollars a month you can support this podcast financially which is huge because it costs me money and i don't make any off of it unless it's over there at patreon.com slash penny bloom pod if you would head to twitter follow at penny bloom pod follow on instagram at penny bloom podcast remember to leave a five star rate and review wherever you might be listening and a tune back in on wednesday for rebellions bloom we haven't covered the mandalorian in a couple weeks and this week we're going to try and make up for that and we're going to cover episodes five, six, and seven of season three. So I'm a big one heading into the finale next week and I'm very excited for you all to uh, tune in for that. 
uh, Friday, we continue our comic book journey through film. Last week was X-Men, where we were joined by Colin Brain versus the MCU's Robert Trott. And next, and this week, I believe, is it Spider-Man? Blade 2. Oh, Blade 2. Mm-hmm. And you, there's a reason I forgot it. Uh, you that that's this Friday. That's this Friday. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it, yeah. Play two. Oh, play two this um, Friday. Fun, fun conversation. We did have a good one there, and it's a nice, quick one. I think it's about forty-five minutes or something like that. Just a lot shorter mm-hmm. than this episode was. So there you have it. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, I was Colton Robertson. I was joined by Joseph George. Thank you very much, homie. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it's always a pleasure to have you. And remember, peace, love, and bloom. And always praise the sex god pod.